All right. Tonight we've got Chase S. Joseph with us, coach, writer, speaker, friend of the show. Darren's been chatting with him quite a bit. Uh, we're going to be talking about personality types, Jungian archetypes, probably a lot about uh, working on ourselves as well and sort of a little bit of self-help stuff and yeah, maybe some machine learning algorithms as well. <laughs> yeah, probably all sorts of... Um... Fun stuff and personality stuff and, yeah, good stuff that should really, you know, there shouldn't be anybody in the audience that doesn't, isn't, you know, this, this is everybody. Yeah. Or at least it's supposed to be. Yeah. So welcome to the show, Chase. Thanks. Thanks for having me uh, on long and short notice simultaneously. <laughs> yeah. <they're good. laughs> But that'll happen. Yeah, well, thanks for sticking around. I mean, geez, we could have rescheduled, but that's it's all good. No, I, I honestly didn't want to, and uh, I I had moved. I had planned on doing it this week. I just for some reason thought we we're doing it Sunday instead of tonight, but that was perfectly cool too because I definitely had an opening, and I wanted to do it sooner than later, so it wasn't actually a problem by any means. I'm pretty excited to talk to you because I, I – once we set this up, uh, geez, it's probably been like a month and a half ago or whatever. You know, you've been talking to a couple of friends of mine and helping them out. And it gets me excited because one of the first things that got me into podcasting was listening to some stuff. Um, you might have heard some of the the a new the new man podcast was one of them. And Trip Lanier was one of the, the hosts, I think, of that podcast. But it was really about, <clears throat> you know, men's groups and and um sort of like the new man right not the between the the macho jerk and the new age wimp kind of thing right and it kind of reminds me of some of the stuff that you guys are doing i mean i, I might be way off but i was kind of excited to talk to you about all this yeah i i i'm willing to uh to go to like any any level of depth with it uh it's it's really an interesting science and it permeates absolutely every component of human interaction and human life and a lot of people just don't know about it uh, it's mostly because people have viewed this science, which the science is called Jungian analytical psychology. Okay. It's like, ooh, it's this voodoo thing yeah. that only the super smart people at the uh, uh, psychology universities speaking with giant, huge ass words that they can't, you know, I, can, I can't even spell them, let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> do you think... Is anyone like a layman actually going to be able to uh, derive any good quality for life-changing information out of that? Hell no. They're not even going to bother or waste their waste their time. And I'm sorry, but psychology is in a lot of cases one of the most boring sciences ever. And then on top of that, you have people telling you, "Oh, it's just a pseudo science, so why pay attention to it anyway?" You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So. Totally. So yeah. So what? So where do you want to start, Darren? This is a pretty, pretty big topic, broad topic. Yeah, it is. We should. I think we should just kind of maybe give a quick breakdown on what exactly, because I mean, I, I really got drawn into the personality type thing right off the bat. So if we could maybe give a, a quick rundown of sort of where that comes from and what 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 that sort of means, I guess in a real quick sort of condensed version, so and, we can expand on it. And when you say personality type, is this like? myers-briggs kind of stuff or or more of a youngian thing or is it a hybrid well i think well, didn't the myers-briggs isn't the myers-briggs developed from the youngian ones it is uh and in fact actually uh, contrary to popular belief the mbti or myers-briggs type indicator is literally just a test that's it it's a test 
there, it, it's not it's not a part of the science. It's not it's not developing the theory or anything. It's just a test. That's all it is. The test exists to determine or help a person determine one of the 16 personality archetypes or personality types that they have. That's all it is. It's just a freaking test. Too bad it's, it's, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I, oh, I, I haven't even done that test yet. I, I just took Chase's times. word for it. <laughs> so I'm, what am I? I'm an INFP? Yeah, that's right. INFP, also known as the dreamer, uh, <laughs> super moral, uh, has their own little internal dreamland. They're, uh, uh, call it, uh, idealistic world that they want to bring into reality because that's a better place to go to because reality sucks that much. And sometimes in your daydreaming, your ideal world, it would be nice if you could take some components of your ideal world and bring it into this reality because reality just sucks, uh, you know, especially to INFPs because they're like, really, do I have to live in this reality? This sucks. Why can't, why can't pigs fly? Why can't, uh, why can't cars, uh, go back in time? Why can't, uh, why can't this truck, you know, as a, an additional fuel tank have perfectly ice cold Coca-Cola available to me at all times? You know, I mean, the sky's the limit in the dreamer dreamland basically in that regard. But, uh, that, that's just one of the 16 archetypes. Uh, but your archetype, it's fantastic. It's, uh, it has some of the highest, it's tied for highest uh, moral awareness. Uh, you always know about exactly how you feel about everything. And your mind is literally going, this is good, this is bad, this is good, this is bad, 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 good, 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 bad, bad, good, good, et cetera. You know, yeah, when you're thinking about things like, okay, this is good, or I feel good about that. And then at the same time, you're also aware of what everyone wants. And then that gives you the ability to predict human behavior. You can predict what people are going to do before they do it. It's called extroverted intuition. Your intuition just can see things before it happens. It's a form of prescience. It's a form of uh, seeing into the future, precognition, basically. It's just a, a limited uh, spectrum. And, uh, you know, and then your inner child is all about like what you're experiencing, what, what makes you comfortable, and uh, what you like to taste, what you like to do on your own. It's also where your sense of duty and loyalty and honor and justice comes from. It, it makes you into this very dutiful person. That's why you and Graham have such a great relationship because Graham needs somebody around him who is loyal to him and you are loyal to him. And you guys are best friends in that regard. Uh, and now Graham's all about what he wants to do, but you're all about what you should do. And uh, you're, you like to give Graham what he wants and he likes to give you a good experience, right? So it makes you comfortable. And then Graham also makes you feel good and you feel good, but you're always asking Graham what his thoughts are. And like, hey man, what do you think about this, et cetera? You know, do you, do you think this is a good thing? And then Graham's like, no, 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 I don't think that, no, that, that, that's bullshit. Let's not even do that. Or yeah, sure, man. Actually, I was thinking about that the other day. And uh, yeah, if I think if you do it this way and then Graham can go into the mechanics and you're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I, I feel good about that. Sure, I'll, I'll go ahead and do it. And then you're comfortable doing it and then it happens. Or... Graham's about to make a decision himself, and he's like, how do you feel about this? And you're like, dude, no, I wouldn't do that. I mean, if you do that, this bad thing's going to happen, then this bad thing's going to happen, then this bad thing's going to happen, and it's like, what the hell? you know? So then you have that opportunity to warn him, and he's like, okay, yeah, you're right. I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that anymore. Sorry, guys. No, no, no thanks. Uh, uh, good point. I'm not, I'm not going to do that, uh, you know. 
So that's just kind of how your guys' interaction goes. Uh, you know, Graham being a more mentor-like person, always got to show you something. And uh, you're like, yeah, you like to be shown things. and But you also give Graham the freedom that he needs to do what he wants, right? And he lives in the moment that way, right? So, uh, and it's good for you because people who live in the moment, you know, they're, they're more mechanically aware. They're aware of the physics, you know, they're aware of like how things just innately work, you know, but uh, from your point of view, you're more of the metaphysics because Graham's like, well, what is, I mean, this, like, this is a water bottle, you know, what is, you know, it has dimensions, it has height, flaska. weight. It's a, it is a flask. I just got that mine in the correct. mail last night. Did you? It is. <laughs> It is dope. I blame I blame John Brisson. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I got I, I I ordered it on John's thing and I'm brushing my teeth with fucking powder. <laughs> <laughs> takes a, it fucking takes a half an hour now. <laughs> I thought two minutes was tough. You're pulling with coconut oil. So God Darren, does that John Brisson? Yeah. Does that feel like you, like are you are you going around going good good bad bad good good like Does that feel like you all this like sometimes this, this extroverted sometimes intuition the, the and all that? Dreamer, the dreamer stuff definitely does. Yeah. And then uh, a lot of the I mean, there's some negative aspects to it too, and a lot of those seem to line up with me a little better too as well. Yeah, it definitely. When I started doing listening to his rundown, because Chase did a video and a podcast on the type, so that kind of you know gives you. Th- 40 minutes of, of, of it all. And that's, that definitely resonated with me a lot of it. Yeah. So that's kind of, I mean, it's not just that chase also got me into some books and some, some stuff that has really started to make a major impact on my life. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I'm like 25% through the book. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And I love how you guys sort of trying to figure out our dynamic and all that and how, so did you guys think about how, I don't what, care about our dynamic. What, did, are we diff- are we different types that work well together then or cuz some people say that we have a really interesting dynamic but i mean i only met darren a a year before the podcast not a, yeah like a year before the podcast probably tops. like we became fairly good friends and and we do have something special on the show i think but i don't know why that is or or i didn't really ever think about the types of persons people we are and how we um but well, I mean, that is definitely something we hear all the time is we've got this weird chemistry and none of that was planned. Like, no, if we could write yeah. that, then we'd be writing stuff. Well, you guys, you guys actually have highest compatibility in the same way that John and Titus at fixyourgut.com have highest compatibility. You guys have highest compatibility too, because Graham is like the mentor and then you're the, uh, the dreamer. What this means is, is that, so here, let, let me give you like a basic rundown of how that actually mechanically works. So, okay. Uh, so imagine a skeleton, right? And then you take out of the skeleton and you just have the skull and the, uh, um, um, the spine basically. Okay. And that has the mind and the nervous system with it. That's basically a sperm, right? And that is the sperm. And then like the nervous system coming out from the sperm basically is the male contribution, the masculine contribution to the egg, right? And then the egg is basically the rest of the body. And, um, so the skull and skeletal structure with the nervous system is actually a radio. It's a radio where the mind is able to tune into eight different spectrum at any given time. And four of those spectrum are for decision-making and the other four of those spectrums for perceptions or uh, gathering information, right? We call those, Jung called them cognitive senses, uh, but nowadays uh, like colloquially or contemporarily, we call it cognitive functions. So con- so functionally speaking with the cognitive functions, 
everyone's mind has these eight different spectrum that they uh, tune into. And everyone is able to tune into the different, so the same eight spectrums. The difference is, is that some of them are able to tune into other spectrums better than others, right? But it's all balanced. So for example, uh, we'll just use this as an example. Uh, Darren's head has uh, 100 frames a second of morality hitting his head, whereas you, Graham, you have 100 frames a second of ethics hitting your head, basically. Uh, so you're aware of the collective value judgment. You just you walk into a room, Graham, and you're like, you just know how everyone's feeling. You just you just know, and you you, you always spot that one guy who's just not feeling that good, and you just gotta you feel compelled to go talk to that guy, and she'd be like bro, what's up? You know, and the guy tells you a story and you're like, well, but if you did it this way, wouldn't it be better? And he's like, oh yeah, man, that's a really good idea. I didn't even think of that. Good point. And then all of a sudden he's happy with the rest of the event. And it was as if nothing happened, you know, uh, that's just one example, you know, of what people could be aware of, you know? Uh, so the eight, the eight cognitive functions are the spectrum they go in. So how does that work with your guys' minds? So for example, Darren is aware of how he feels, but Graham is aware of how Darren feels. Okay, cool, that works. And then uh, Graham is aware of what he wants, and Darren is aware of what Graham wants. Uh, Graham is aware of what Darren is doing or the experience he's having. Darren, uh, Graham is always aware of when Darren is comfortable or uncomfortable. That's why Graham seeks to make Darren more comfortable, right? Uh, Graham is always aware of what he thinks. But guess what? Darren is also aware of what Graham thinks at all times, right? And this is just an example. Those are your egos. The top four functions represent your ego, and your egos are just perfectly intertwined because one is aware of how he feels, the other is aware of how he feels. One is aware of how he thinks, and then the other is aware of how he thinks. Because, yeah, and then it's just, it's just shared together, and it allows you to have the absolute best possible relationship because you guys can read each other like open books completely and you cover each other's bases you know uh, darren's more safety oriented uh you know and and uh, and can provide warnings and and to the gotchas that is coming in graham's direction and uh and graham is more free and able to uh, handle you know physics and mechanics a lot more and can provide advice uh, to darren to fix those uh, mechanical issues like maybe if a car broke down for example or uh or switching out something with a light and whatnot, uh, or anything that had to use with tools, et cetera, those options are there, you know, uh, and it can happen. Oh, here's another good point. Graham is one of the most forgetful people in the world. And think, Darren yeah, remembers I think it everything. Might, you might have this opposite there. I don't know. Yeah. That really? one. On that yeah. one. Yeah. And the mechanical thing, the mechanical thing as well. Darren's probably more mechanical than I am. So there might be some, some change, some opposites there. I think. That could be learned. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Instead of like inherent skill. Yeah, maybe. Oh yeah, it could be. That's that's an interesting thing to think about, actually, Brody. But we can't hear you, so it's. <laughs> <laughs> Brody had just said that that he thinks there's a difference between learned behavior and inherent oh, yes. skill. Uh, so like uh, like I could have learned my skill for building, and because I've been doing it for twenty years, whereas if Graham would have got into it, he might have had a natural aptitude for it. That's Brody's 100% correct. So that what we call that is the difference between human nature and human nurture. So nature is these archetypes. It's natural mental capability. Uh, Graham literally could be that guy 
on a whim who could buy a broken up motorcycle and then for, for the first time ever just having a shop and get a manual out and literally figure it out and put it back together, especially later in life. Not so much earlier in life because it takes a mentor like Graham to mature and develop those mechanical abilities later in life, especially because he's trying to aspire in that realm to become even more mechanically capable as he gets older. Uh, but that's, that's, that's just, I'm speaking about natural aptitude in that regard. Now, from a nurture standpoint, if you're thrust in a situation where you have to learn you know, building when you don't have that natural aptitude, a good part about Darren's psyche is that he can remember those things and then on a per, like a case-by-case -case basis, on a per-task basis, he'll have like a particular tool he picks up and he'll remember all of the tasks that he's ever done with that particular tool. And then when he's doing a new task he hasn't done before, he'll use pieces of data of old memories of when he used this particular tool to try to figure out how to deal with that. And that's how he adapts. Whereas Graham picks up the tool, he may not have used it before with the task, but he just naturally knows how the physics works and he'll just figure it out on its own because it's like, you know, yeah, up and down and physics and normal thing. But from Darren's point of view, it could be different this time, right? It could be different in that regard. And if he doesn't have experience with it in the past, then he's able to actually gather that information from past experiences and use it. Whereas, with, like I said with Graham, it doesn't have to rely on past experience. It just, it is. Because Graham's aware of what is, whereas uh, Darren is aware of what if. That's, that's basically the big difference right there. Huh. Interesting. I find that Darren's a little more... Um like there's a short term he's got a really good long term memory from stuff but his short term memory and there's an absent and there's an absent mindedness <laughs> you, you son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> awesome i was about yeah. to go into that i'm pretty absent minded sometimes but but my wife long, would agree but because sometimes memory, she'll be like, like, you can ask him something that happened like a year ago and he'll remember a conversation of exactly what well, oh, you can down. ask the son from 20 years ago. He could recite parts of his childhood. It's because I have a big problem with, sorry, I have, I have a big problem with, like, just today. Like, I have a huge problem with just, like... Where your set, keys are. Where my keys are, like, <laughs> just today. Like, Lisa came over, she just cleaned the counters or and everything the in the kitchen. Is. And I just, like, set a bunch of trash there, and I am just fucking forget. You know, I, when I set it down, seriously, in my head, I'm like... I'm just setting this here for a second, and I'm going to come <laughs> right back, and I'm going to deal with it. But then, like, poof, I'm gone. All the time. So Keys, wallet, the... passport, <laughs> everything, anything that's important. Don't lose that. That's what it really seems like. And then, like, honestly, the day before I left to the States, I lost my wallet fucking eight times. Wow. Because I had a bunch of money in it. I had switched all my money because I like cashed when I go down there. So I had like a thousand bucks cash in it for the gas and hotels and everything all the way down. So it's like for two days before, like not just the day before, two days, the day before I left and the day I left, I must've lost that wallet eight times and I'm wow. fucking scrambling wow. looking all over That's the place crazy, for it. Cause I've ne I never lose my wallet. Never. Well, I always find it. Yeah, I know. But like, <laughs> it's just always, I know where it is all the time. And it's like when I should be hyper aware of where the fucking thing is, <laughs> should be in my fucking pocket probably. <laughs> So what you guys are not noticing is the difference between extroverted sensing and introverted sensing. So introverted sensing is what Darren has, and that gives a person super long-term memory access. They have this gigantic hard drive, and everything is written a hard drive. But if you're an introverted sensor, 
you lack random access memory or RAM in a computer, right? And RAM is short-term memory, which Graham has short-term memory in spades. And he's also able to know where physical objects are. Of course, if someone was to move those physical objects of his and putting them in a place that they were not before, that would really piss Graham off. And uh, not not cool to go in that direction. He all. does get mad that. when he comes in here and I've moved his stuff. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Totally. I come in and I'm like, what the fuck is going on in here? He gets the studio's a mess. I'm like, oh. <laughs> So, yes, you're right. Long-term memory. But you have amazing short-term memory. The problem with the short-term, like the problem with the long-term memory is that you have, you lack short-term memory. And like, so if, uh, if Darren was to misplace his wallet, he won't even, it's not in the short-term memory because it's short-term. It's like, that's exactly where, where what it the feels hell like. is it? But then two days later, you'd be like, oh, that's where it is. And then there it is, you know, and then he finds it and it's not a problem anymore because time has gone by for his mind to uh, take that data out of the short-term memory, the small amount of short-term memory that he does have, which is about 10 frames a second, and stick it into his 50 frames a second of long-term memory access uh, for his awareness and then he's able to remember where that wallet was. It's like, oh, thank God. And, you know, it, it just takes a couple of days and then boom, there it is. But after a while, you like, know, I can, I can I, literally picture times where that's happened. Yeah. And I, I'm like, oh, fuck. And the weird thing is I, I know, like, I remember, um, like usually when I, let's say I got to bring something to work the next day or I got to do all these little, little tasks. I'll, I'll remember those pretty much. And if I don't, it pisses me off because I feel like I've been unaware or distracted or something like that. But when it comes to remembering a long-term, like something that happened, let's say six months ago, a conversation, I remember the feeling of it, or I remember like the a sense of the conversation. But for me to quote exactly, if I was asked, like, what did he say to you? I would probably say like, I'm, and I'm comfortable enough to say, I don't, I don't know. Like, I can't remember exactly what was said, but I remember the feeling of it. I remember the gist of it, but I can't, I can't. What about numbers? Yeah, numbers are... Like, good. I still yeah, remember, numbers. like, I swear I remember every phone number I've ever yeah. known in my life. Yeah, like, numbers are okay for me, too. But it's just that I'm not comfortable quoting something, because I also want to be authentic and genuine. I don't want to just... I don't want to make up something, right? And I, so yeah. I, a lot of times I have to say, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened then. And that kind of bothers me in some ways, because I should remember those details. Yeah, and that and that is an example of how that works. Extroverted sensing, because it's short-term memory, when you have all this data that your mind is trying to keep track of and keep it in short-term memory so you have quick access to it, well, the problem is, is new data is coming in every day and pushing old data out. And then your mind is just naturally aware of data that just doesn't necessarily need to keep, and it just throws it out. And say, okay, well, if this is important, it'll come up again, no problem. Yeah, you know, yeah. another another way of looking at it is totems. Um, so, for example, an extroverted sensor, when they're around physical objects, they have their memories attached, their long-term memories attached to the physical objects themselves. This is what I call toteming or totems. And uh, it could be any physical object. It could be a phone, for example, or whatever. Uh, but when you pick up an object you basically remember the last time you've used it. You're, you're reminded of all that time where it goes there. This is why people like, you know, women have rings in their fingers for like when they get married, et cetera, especially if they're expert sensing, they take it very, very seriously, more so than the introverted sensors, because it reminds them as a symbol and it brings them back to getting married and brings them back to all those feelings, et cetera, because of what that symbol represents, that little token. Is that and me or Graham? This is Graham. This is more Graham uh, approach. Whereas an SI user like Darren, 
yeah, that 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 could be important from like how how you feel, but you regardless if your ring is on your finger or not, you remember your wedding, you remember the entire thing. You could probably even say exactly what the preacher dude was saying or how the vows handled. Uh, girl, fair enough. <laughs> but it, you, you can definitely remember almost every single detail. Uh, whereas Graham has the ability to have his memory stored in physical objects. This is also why it may be necessary for him to take notes and have sticky notes everywhere, potentially, or have a notebook on him or to be taking notes on his phone because storing his memories in physical and in the physical environment is necessary for him to remember important things in case something gets into long-term memory access because he needs to be able to keep it in short-term memory. Whereas you, you don't have to keep sticky notes. You're just gonna remember when it gets to long-term. If it's still in the short-term, okay, yeah, it might be a good idea to have a sticky note here and there, but you don't really need them very much because once it gets to long-term memory access, it's like, okay, great, I remember. Unless but of it's course, a Bitcoin password because those things are fucking retarded. I know, right? Yeah, or I mean, Another way to look at this is the elderly. Elderly people suffer from Alzheimer's or dementia, right? The the ones that suffer dementia are actually almost always uh, introverted sensing users. The ones that suffer from Alzheimer's uh, are extroverted sensors. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. But that totally makes uh, sense. I mean, my notes folder on my phone is jammed. I mean, I take the show notes. um when we're playing Dungeons yeah, and Dragons, I'm the something. one taking the notes in D and D. Like it's fuck. He's that's right on. You're the, always right taking the notes. Moment. Every time I walk into your office, you gotta pull out your little, your little planner and start writing stuff down. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Man. I take no notes on anything unless I <laughs> unless it's something super critical. And I pay. Yeah. I pay, I pay Sometimes I feel bad because I'll walk into a meeting. It's like everyone's got a book, and I'm just like. Yeah, I mean, expert sensing, introverted sensing even goes even further. It, it also determines your sexual response, too. Uh, oh, boy. And <laughs> here, here we go. <laughs> no, it's true. It's, it's, it's really true. Uh, like, for example, an extroverted sensor is someone who wants to give sensation to other people. They're all about giving sensation. An introverted sensor is all about receiving sensation. So who's who? And, so Graham is an extroverted sensor, so he yeah. likes to give yeah. sensation in the bedroom yeah. Yeah. and uh, and kind of drive the bus, as it were. He's um, a bus driver. <laughs> he's the bus driver. <laughs> oh, man, that came out wrong. Yeah, That's going to be a sound bite. And then you're, and he's not yeah. the bus driver over here, okay? And he's driving a different bus. And you're not the one this that bus. needs to feel it. Yeah, that makes sense, too. Easy, yeah. bud. Yeah. <laughs> you're not helping. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and predominantly uh, and predominantly people are this way with their with their sensing functions and and, and it goes even deeper like when you get to the intuitive functions because Graham's like well I want to do this you know it, it, like although Graham to be fair is very responsible with what he wants he's just not going to let himself want things but when he wants things it's, he spent a lot of time thinking about it he's uh, He's very much more responsible. But this also causes Graham to be very critical of other people with what they want because he's like, well, I'm really responsible with what I want and what I desire and what I allow myself to buy or do or make decisions on based on what I want. But I see everyone else out there is super irresponsible. And it's like, why do these people want to do this? They're stupid. Like, come on. Like, where? The, hello? Uh, why are you wanting this? And then it's just it causes Graham to be critical in this way. And that, that it can even go deeper than that too. Graham can end up being like looking at others and 
he's at risk of jumping to conclusions sometimes about their intentions because you could mistake their intentions and then make decisions based on uh, mistaking their intentions, which can actually cause, which can backfire on him socially if he's not careful. But, but luckily, he verifies with people and uh, uh, is able to like, you know, okay, hold on, I need to verify that's true first before I jump to a conclusion. Mm -hmm. And as Graham gets older, he's able to do that. Uh, and, and the older you are, the more mature you are in most cases, and then you're able to become more integrated with your persona and your, in the four personalities inside yourself. Hmm. And then because of that, you're able to behave more maturely. But like very, very young mentors, uh, they don't do that. They can jump to conclusions about people's intentions to the point where they're assuming that people are betraying them, assuming that, yeah, that yeah. this person's cheating on yeah, them or yeah. When, when it's not remotely true. Yeah, and, I really try not to, to do that judgment. I feel myself going there, well, and I really try and be aware of, like, don't, like, who knows what the fuck is going on? They might, they might not have anything to do with you. Like, really try and tamper that. It's always got something to do with you, man. Never does. <laughs> it never does. But, I mean, that, I think that's part of recovery work, too. Like, when I went through recovery and... and try to get clean and sober that was part of that like not taking other people's inventory and not like you know assuming shit about other people right just looking sort of <clears throat> looking at your own stuff and stop resenting things and all, all that kind of stuff about <clears throat> building up resentments and and uh, judgments yeah it, it's it's definitely important uh, my father uh has the same psyche you do basically uh so he he's a mentor as well and I had this one situation uh, a while back. There's this kid I had, that he knew in church, and he got addicted to drugs and destroyed his family, and it was horrible. And uh, 20 years later, the kid was completely cleaned up. Everything was was great. And he's like, I, I really want to talk to your dad. I really want to talk to your dad. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll talk to my dad about it. And then I talked to my dad about it. and like, hey, dad, uh, you know, that guy, if you remember a long time ago, well, he's back and he wants to talk to you. He's like, I don't want to talk to that guy. <laughs> like, what do you mean? The, the point is I'm trying to make is that mentors have a hard time with letting people change. And uh, because when the mentor thinks of a person, they remember exactly right back to how that person was, you know, decades ago and and how that was a horrible experience and how they're hurting other people, making people feel bad, uh, being unethical, uh, being super selfish and depraved and uh, how they just don't want to have anything to do that. And being near that person just brings them back to that. And there's like this little emotional trauma that comes with it, and they just want to have anything to do that, so they have to cut themselves off completely. Hmm. Uh, which, because, because mentors are aware that, uh, I mean, uh, sages do this worse. They're the INFJ, uh, but the ENFJ has a little bit. But mentors are aware that if they're around bad people, they'll start to mirror those people. So the mentor has to be make sure that those that they are around are good people because they do not want to put themselves at risk of being corrupted by bad people around them. That's right? interesting. So are you are you saying that, so I'm a met this mentor type and what is that? The ENFP? Is that what, is that what it is? The ENFJ. ENFJ. The ENFJ. Okay. Yeah. The J for yeah. Jackass. And then what are you? You're the INFP, Darren? You're the, what are you? The now? dreamer. The dreamer. The dreamer. Dream both. <laughs> He's the dreamer that doesn't dream. Like, yeah, like, like, fit, like dream while he sleeps. Like. I've been dreaming a little. He's a daydreamer. We call him that. Yeah, yeah Joseph of many colors. Just get him a coat of many colors. That's that's all you need to do. 
We promise not to sell you in slavery. We promise. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's awesome. So, so uh, what else can you talk about? Some more of your stuff that even my yeah. stuff. Yeah, I've just been reading books, <laughs> and they've they've been good for you. Yeah, they've been pretty influential. I mean, I took it took it and ran with it with some other people I know, and kind of, you know, I've been spreading, especially the one book I've given that book to probably like eight different people now, the No More Mister Nice Guy book. Oh yeah, that's that's life changing. Oh, absolutely dude. life changing. I, I mean, I'm not going to get into the any of the details here, but that book set set in motion some pretty profound shit that happened over the last four weeks for sure. Yeah, stuff that I didn't see happening. And so, wow. uh, yeah, it, I mean, we can we can talk about some of the details of that privately, but uh, yeah, stuff that I didn't see happening in my lifetime, let alone kind of all sort of happening at once. And it was a pretty crazy month. And then I drove fucking like fucking 3,000 miles and listened to music and had some time to fucking reflect on it all. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, that, that book changed my life uh, and uh, really helped complete the process of reaching manhood and helped me guarantee my path towards self-actualization. Uh, I, it, it, I basically have a rule, like, uh, if, if you're male, you read this book. And I also tell women, too, oh, by the way, you should probably read this book because it gives the women tools with which to hold their men accountable. Uh, and it can be actually really healthy for the women. But also I've noticed that women that read this book actually end up developing humility that causes them to become more respectful, right? Yeah, yeah. Because a woman being respectful is super important for a relationship. Why is that? Well, it's because it's never good enough for a woman to say, I love you to a man. Like never. It's not good enough. Why is that? Well, it's because women have this problem where they can love just about any jackass on the street, right? So because of that problem, men like to be preferred. Uh, they, they like to be regarded. They like to be honored, supported, uh, loved and Sup supported. supported. And that, and that is the definition <laughs> of respect. Yeah, that one only. Lo love, love is inclusive in the definition of respect. That's why love is not good enough. So it's more powerful for a woman to say to a man, I respect you. Right. So you give me like a Victoria's Secret model, you know, she's naked on my bed, nine out of 10 beauty, whatever, but she's arrogant. I'm going to throw her out, like straight up, get out of my house and, you know, not even give her time to dress to throw her out because that she is disrespectful. A, a beautiful woman, sure, is a woman who has physical beauty, sure, and she's pretty and all, and that's fantastic. But a beautiful woman is the one who's got that plus the respectfulness. Respectfulness goes a long way. Respectfulness in reality is actually what endears men it's what really uh brings uh men to women is that respectfulness and that's why you see you know these men who are like super highly esteemed they got the nobility going they, they got their manhood going you know they got it all that but you see them with this woman it's like how, why are you with that woman it's because she's probably the most respectful woman he's ever met that's why they're together and she is giving him what he needs because men are seeking that respectful woman you know, and, and if there's ladies listening to this, you know, if you're having a hard time uh, in your relationships with men, either the men are man children. Of course, then again, why are you with man children? Because shouldn't you have personal standards and personal boundaries to keep you away from those man children? But if they're not man children, you're still having problems with them. Maybe it's because you're disrespectful. 
you know, and, and I would challenge you to find out. And if you need to figure out how to be not disrespectful anymore, the only way to do that is to humble yourself. I mean, it takes a lot of humility for a woman to go to the gym, right? Women have this problem where they're constantly judging each other all the time, especially at the gym. Like, you know, because men look at life as this big pie and we're just trying to get our slice, but women look at life as this big pie. Well, why do you get that slice? You know what I mean? It's this competition they always have with each other and they're about to tear each other apart. And it's especially difficult at the gym because you got all the skinny bitches everywhere, right? And then you got all, you know, and, uh, and they're all judging all the all the fat chicks coming in, trying to better themselves and whatnot. But it takes a lot of humility for a woman to humble herself and go to the gym because she recognizes that she's not all that in a bag of chips. And it definitely sets her on the road to respectability. I'm just using the gym as one particular yeah, yeah, example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what can guys do to gain the respect of women, though? Because, I mean, a lot of women are going to put that on their guys and say, well, he doesn't deserve my respect or he's, you know, he's acting this way or he's doing this and that. So... Awesome. Uh, yes. So there is there is a path. Well, man, children uh, is huge. It's a problem in society yeah. right now. Like, yeah, well, I, if you had to put a percentage on man, children, what would you put it at? Oh shoot, eight out of ten. Jesus at Christ! Least. I mean, that's yeah. kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, seven to eight know, out of I, ten. I don't really hear there. that term very much. Can you explain a man child? So yeah, yeah, a man child is a man who consumes more than he produces. Uh, a man child is a man who does not, uh, who, who is of age. Okay. So he, but, so he's of legal age, 18 years old, right. Uh, who does not have a job, does not have his transportation, does not have his own place. Okay. That, that automatically qualifies you for a man child instantly. Um, it just that, uh, on top of being unhealthy on top of not having proper financial management, uh, on prop of uh, not having their priorities straight, uh, living by the fist, which is faith, family, fitness, finance, and friends. Faith being faith in oneself, not necessarily a belief system. Right. Uh, family, taking care of the family, which, oh, if a man has, uh, has babies with a woman, even in an illicit relationship, but is not taking responsibility to be a father, okay, yeah, he's a man-child, for example. You know what I mean? I'm sorry, but fatherlessness, fatherlessness is the biggest disease that other than ignorance that plagues uh, first world culture. And the only, and this is why I do this, is specifically to put a stop to fatherlessness. I am so tired of little boys not knowing their fathers. I'm so tired of it. And yeah. it, it's, it's, it's really what is destroying our culture. It is destroying everything. So I have to work backwards. Okay, how do I solve that problem? Well, working backwards. The answer to the problem is, is to create mature masculine men, men of the mature masculine. So to answer your question, how does a man become respectable? Because yeah, a woman's got to be respectful and that's fantastic. But the man also needs to deserve that respect too. He has to be respectable. So what is the man's respectability? Where does that come from? Well, it comes from nobility. Uh, and what is nobility? Nobility is defined by the four roles of the mature masculine, which is king, warrior, magician, lover. And this is also from Jungian psychology, uh, these four archetypes. So king, uh, a man becomes king when he has his own kingdom. Well, how do you get your own kingdom? Well, obviously you got to have your own castle, you know, a home, your own home by yourself. You have to have your chariot. You got, you know, your car. Uh, you have to have a job because you have to produce. Kings are generative. That's the whole point behind being a king. 
you are generative. You are producing more than you consume. This means you can take on subjects, subjects like a queen and children or, and potentially being a patriarch of her family because all the men in her family are screwed up, right? How many times has that happened when mature, mature masculine men are taking over the, the man patriarch role of other of their women's families because her brothers don't have any of that figured out or, or much less her father or and if her grandfather is still alive, you know what I mean? It, it's just not even there, right? So king, king is first and foremost. Once you establish king, you've started your path towards manhood. This is why I tell young boys who are high school age, don't go to college. Don't even do that. Focus on getting a job. And this is this has become a meme actually amongst my audience, but uh, uh, get a forklift license. It costs only 200 bucks in like four days of class and a test that they won't let you leave until you pass it, okay? And then you're instantly hireable and you're making at least most places in the States 15 bucks an hour for the first year. And then after a year, you can get hired on Amazon and get 22 bucks an hour plus benefits as a 19 year old. Okay. And then you can get Western Governors University for $600 a month and get your college education that way instead of ending up with a heaping pile of debt and screwing over everyone's lives after that. Right. So then, you know, that seems like a wiser decision to me. But, but no, you know, we need to send people to Berkeley and get charged $150,000 a year. Awesome, you know, but King, you have to produce more than you consume because then you are generative because that's what Kings do. And then you can take on subjects. Warrior is what you need to protect your kingdom. So financial management, right? And also health. Uh, you have to be eating clean. Organic non-GMO is the standard that I preach to people. And then I also tell them, you know, maybe you should go to the gym. And if you don't know how to manage your food in the gym, uh, go to eat2perform.com. Hire Eat2Perform. It's awesome. It's like 20 bucks a month. And you got some coach telling you exactly how much food you should be eating every day. So you don't have to think about it. Then you just program it in MyFitnessPal and just do it over and over and over while doing uh, choose whichever lifting program you want. Eat2Perform will tell you what lifting program to do at the gym. Fine. You can do that. Or you can go and do your own. You can get my favorite is Tom Fenuto's Burn the Fat, Feed the Muscle, the TNB28 lifting schedule. That's my preference, but to each their own. The point is, is that the man is focused on staying healthy because if you don't have your health, you got nothing. Because if you don't have your health, you can't be a king anyway because you're not generative because you're too busy sucking off the government hit at that point because you, you need the benefits to keep your health up because your health has gone to shit. Like, come on. Magician, the, four, the third archetype, of men's respectability is all about teaching other men to become kings and warriors. That's really all it is, is raising up other men into the mature masculine, raising up other men into maturity and becoming real men and shedding their man child. You know, the child, the, the boy has to die so the man can be alive. And that is the magician. That was the role of the shaman in ancient times with very tribal communities. That was the shaman's job, the tra very transcendentalist, but they're, the whole point was is to initiate young boys into manhood so they can be generative for their tribe, for their society. That's the whole point behind magician. And then magician ends up collecting the ultimate resource, which is wisdom. Wisdom is the most important, most precious substance in all of existence. Because if you have wisdom, you can have anything. You can have anything you want if you have wisdom. But wisdom comes from suffering. 
right? And it, all of that suffering that you had to do to get to king and warrior has built up wisdom within you. And that's why you're able to use it as the magician, confer it upon your fellow men, raise them up into the mature masculine. And then once you have those three archetypes, you become the lover. And it's not just your relationship with a woman, it's enjoying life in general, like imagining what it's like to be an ant because you're appreciating ants or going to a Froyo bar or watching a, a Deadpool 2 in the movie theater by yourself because you're taking yourself out on a date and caring about what you want for once. Lover, that's what lover is all about. If, you, if a man is doing these four archetypes of mature masculine, he is noble, he has nobility, and he is respectable. And if a woman doesn't respect him after all of that, throw her in the dumpster and move on and find someone who will. That's, that's, that's as easy as I could say it at that point. But to be honest, women are not dumb. They'll be like, oh yeah, I am so attracted to that respectable man right now. He's going places. And you know, they're going to hop on that, that hayride and, and never let go. You know? So it, that's, just, that's kind of how it works from that regard. But how does a man reach those four archetypes? It's just one simple thing. And it comes from John Milton's Paradise Lost. Uh, there's a scene in there where uh, they're in the Garden of Eden, and it's before the fall of man. And God sends an angel down to go warn Adam that the devil is coming. And the angel shows up at Adam and Eve's place, and they sit down uh, you know, at a table or whatever, and they're having a conversation. Adam's asking the angel, well, how the moon work? How does the sun work? You know, how do, like scientific questions. And Eve just gets bored out of her head. She's so bored. So then she just leaves. Yeah, I'm going to go be in the garden because I'm bored out of my mind. You know, and as soon as she leaves and shuts the door, Adam turns, looks at the angel. He's like, bro, isn't she smoking hot? I am so tapping that ass. And let me tell you, the angel's like repulsed. He's like, dude, really? Wow. You do realize the cows do it. Is it that important to you? You do realize that if you keep carrying on like that, Mr. Adam, that your wife, Eve, will never respect you. And then Adam freaks out and he's like, oh, Mr. Angel, please help me out. How do I solve that problem? And the angel looks at Adam straight square in the face and eye contact and says, hey, well, all you have to do, Adam, is esteem yourself and never cease. If a man focuses on esteeming himself, he will naturally reach king, warrior, magician, lover all on his own, as long as he is esteeming himself and never stops esteeming. Why is it when people graduate from college, they stop growing? It's all about personal growth. It's about constant, forever personal growth. Yeah. It's all about esteeming yourself. So is and that what that, esteeming means then? Is it, what, what do you mean yeah. by esteeming? Like, <clears throat> yeah. Um, like building self-esteem in a way? or Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or building self-value, self-worth, uh, achievement, accomplishment. Authenticity uh, or... Yeah, uh, reaching reaching new heights and levels, challenging yourself. Uh, uh, you know, like uh, one way that I've esteemed myself is learn a foreign language. Another way that I've esteemed myself is try to uh, uh, hike Yosemite, the, the most difficult hikes you could possibly do at, at Yosemite. Uh, additional ways of esteeming myself, uh, I have a certification test tomorrow, for example, that I've been studying for a while. And I'm just constantly focused on self-improvement yeah, and building yeah. myself up. Yeah. which naturally builds up my nobility, which naturally builds up my respectability, which makes me attractive to women. That is the answer to the question, what attracts women to men? The answer is nobility. 
which is the respectability, the level of respectability a man has, that is what they find attractive. It's not about muscles, I mean, or confidence. It's not about that because women, uh, I mean, yeah, women want their men to be beautiful, but not as much as they want their men to be noble. You know, and sure, men like their women to be noble, but not as much as they like them to be beautiful. It's primary versus secondary. It's a yin and yang that do, makes up the attraction. Do a lot of relationships fall apart because the woman's fooled by the man at first, and then they, you know, later on realizes that he's just a man child, and he loses, she loses respect for him. Like, is that one of the main yes, things that, that kind of happens? It seems like. Well, that can happen, but a lot of the times, actually, what I've seen and a lot of people that I've coached. It actually comes down to when a man was noble, but he stopped esteeming himself. And then he started losing that respectability. She started losing respect for him. And then because of that, uh, the relationship fell apart because as soon as there's a lack of respect, he becomes unloving. And then the relationship just falls apart all because he stopped esteeming himself or look at it this way. The woman gets in a relationship with a guy. She really loves him. It's it's fantastic. She's respectful. He's respectable. And then all of a sudden, she desires him to worship her. And then she says, you need to worship me. And then he buys into that, and he starts worshiping her. And she's loving it. She's loving it. She's loving it. And then all of a sudden, she starts losing respect for him because it's like, wow, he's worshiping at me now. You know, is he is he going to keep carrying on like this? You know, why am I wasting my time with someone like this if, if like, I'm all he cares about, if I'm all that yeah. there is on his mind? Yeah. You know, and then she starts losing respect for him, and then he becomes unloving due to that lack of respect, and the relationship falls apart. And she completely self sabotaged that by expecting him to worship her, and then he bought into it, which yeah. sounds like Adam and Eve, technically. You know what I mean? It, yeah. It's ridiculous. So, does that kind of summarize that "No More Mr. Nice Guy" book? Then is that is that sort of the one of the core the core things, or is that separate? Uh, the the the. The core things about Nor Mr. Nice Guy is how to get to a point where you can actually start esteeming yourself, okay. actually. Yeah. So it's a the, ton of self-reflection. Yeah. yeah, the path of self-reflection. And uh, King, Warrior, Magician, Lover represents my personal philosophy from a Jungian psychology point of view on how to define and obtain manhood or the mature masculine. But to even start the road, that's what... Uh, uh, no more Mr. Nice Guy represents. So, and it really is broken down to in the four pillars of self intimacy, which are taking responsibility for meeting your own needs, having personal standards, having personal boundaries, and having personal goals. These four pillars are based on what a person needs to have built within their souls in order for them to actually know themselves or find themselves. Everyone's like, oh, I need to find myself. This is how you do it, right? Like when we're raising children, never ask your children what they're going to be when they grow up. Like never ask them that. No, 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 no. The question you need to ask them is, what are you going to do to meet your needs when you come of age? That's the question. Because if you get your children thinking about meeting their own needs and recognizing that they have needs, mm-hmm. then they'll start having this thing called self-respect. Because in order for them to be in a romantic relationship with somebody, there you have to love. Well, the, the, the commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, is actually implying that you need to be selfish, believe it or not. Because how can you love somebody if you're not loving yourself first? But So if you don't know how to love yourself because you don't have the four pillars of self-intimacy, then that means you're not capable of being in a romantic relationship and you're likely a man-child at that point or immature, right? So how do you solve that problem? 
you develop the four pillars. You get the children focused on needs. You have needs. I am meeting your needs right now. I am, as of that date, I am no longer meeting your needs and it's on you, et cetera. And you know, that may sound a little harsh. I'm just using that as an example, but the child has to be primed for meeting their own needs. And then you help them identify their needs and you bring them out in that way. And then you help them develop personal standards. And these personal standards are like self rules that they have for themselves to keep them on track with meeting their needs and not get addicted to World of Warcraft for 10 years like me and waste my life and destroy my marriage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Having personal standards, right? And then have personal boundaries. Personal boundaries are exactly the same as personal standards, except that's what the person has for other people. You hold others to personal boundaries. And the book noir, Mr. Nice Guy, talks about how men are seeking the approval of women so much from other people that they don't uh, they don't enforce their personal boundaries at all, right? But if there's a boundary, it has to be enforced every single time externally, even to family members, even to your own father, even to your own mother, even brothers and sisters, whatever. Your wife, there's boundaries, and if that boundary is crossed, it's heavy business, potentially relationship ending or relationship pausing for a long ass time because the boundary was violated, right? Yeah, and that's a tough spot because <clears throat> acceptance is, is is a powerful tool as well. And then I feel like if you set too many boundaries or if I set too many boundaries, then then I'd be like not accepting people for who they are or whatever. Like where how do you how do you how do you balance that between judgment and non-acceptance and just setting proper boundaries for yourself? Do you, do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, obviously, I would recommend anyone be understanding, but quite honestly, it's to each their own. Uh, everyone has a right to their own personal sovereignty. I mean, how dare the state be more sovereign than a man? Mm-hmm. Personal sovereignty is really up to the individual. And uh, the four pillars of self-intimacy really represent that. Uh, it, it may seem unreasonable. Like, for example, like I have, I have some crazy personal boundaries that I, that I have set with other people in my life. Like, for example, you know, I've told, you know, like, uh, like my, my current relationship, you know, uh, considering to get, get married and whatnot and, uh, you know, okay, great. Well, we can do that, but I have these boundaries around that. And we have these, I have these goals that have to be met first, you know, instead of like the whole, well, why can't you love me now? You know, we, we could get married now. And it's like, no, I'm being wise and responsible. And I have a personal boundary for myself that this financial requirement, this health requirement, these requirements have to be met before I consider putting a ring on anyone's finger. Yeah. And that's not just a boundary that I set for you. It's also a standard that I hold to myself, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's kind of where it comes from. It's not about me becoming this overly judgmental person to push people away. If you really think about it, boundaries can be really endearing. Because what it does is, is that if people are respecting my boundaries, I am respecting their boundaries yeah. and it creates a culture of mutual respect, yeah. a culture of honor, right? Which changes society and families and, and even one-on-one face-to-face relationships and shoulder-to-shoulder relationships too. Yeah, right? that makes sense. Yeah, that, that's really, that, yeah, that's a really good answer. So a book that changed my life like 10 years ago was The Way of the Superior Man. I read that just like oh, yeah, three weeks ago, and, and I mean, and 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 it because it was also good for women to read, even though you know you wouldn't think so, but I mean, it really gave women a different perspective of of men as well. I mean, and I I think that's similar to what you're saying about 
women reading the that yeah that one i would say is worth like both those books are worth to read them and highlight them and hand them off would probably be a powerful tool yeah but yeah, that would be a that would be a real big like uh you'd want to trust whoever you're giving that book to you want to just give it to you know make sure you trust whoever you give that book to that's for sure yeah, well, even the well, I don't know, just to highlight a book up like that, you know, you're highlighting parts that are kind of part of your, you oh, know, your yeah, inner workings. Yeah. Make sure you're not just yeah. giving it to whoever, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, I would say both those books are worth doing. The, the interesting thing about The Way of the Superior Man is that it, it does a lot of, I find there's a lot of language in there that kind of gives you the ability to kind of, in a lot of ways, navigate, help you navigate the psyche a little more. Um, yeah, it's interesting for sure. And I, I mean, not in a way that, because when you first read it, you can kind of take it in the way that now you're, you're, you're bending your will to someone else in order to, you know, oh, it's okay because of this. But when you actually take those principles and apply them, it's more, um, it's a lot more like, um, when you apply those principles, you don't feel like that. You, you can actually feel the, you know, the way it's intended, which, which was, you know, it's pretty powerful because I mean, yeah, it's interesting because you're feeling pissed off at first anyway, or, or in whatever, whatever the thing is. But when you learn, once you learn to start seeing things from a different perspective, then all of a sudden, you know, you don't even, it dissipates. those, those mm -hmm. triggers kind of dissipate till they're non-existent and, you know, then you're like, well, that was never even a thing, you know, yeah. or whatever, whatever that may be. Yeah. It helps you, uh, it helps you just really understand, uh, like some people talk about, you know, looking at themselves outside of themselves and just kind of like being an observer instead of, you know, just internalizing everything and try to see the third party point of view of oneself. And that's, that's especially that's especially important because, you know, even back to like the cognitive functions, you have extroverted functions and introverted functions. The introverted functions are very internal, but the extroverted functions are very external, right? And like, like take, take abortion, you know, uh, abortion individuals would consider is immoral, but the collective believes it's ethical, you know, and that's why it's legal in those cases because ethics and morals are not the same, but ethics are the collective value judgment. It's what the collective believes is a good or bad thing. Uh, or a or a subgroup of people or a group of people of at least three or more, right? But, you know, introverted feeling morality, morality is the personal good or bad judgments, what an individual believes is a good or bad thing um, outside of external influences, right? And navigating that, you know, these books really give you the tools to do that to help develop your manhood in a way that makes sense and in a way that's actually constructive instead of destructive, which like I said, is necessary if we're going to put a stop to the fatherless generation that we keep yeah. producing over and over and over. Yeah. So how important is, is men like in, as far as men go in the development, like a, a support network of men that hold, that you can hold each other accountable and all that, like, you know, like a, a men's it's, group or some sort of. It's absolutely critical. And even outside of a support group standpoint, men need to have relationships with fellow men real men, mature masculine men, they have to have those relationships because it allows those men to be kept honest. It allows those men to hold each other accountable. And they'll do that naturally. 
like I, I got a I got a Discord server. We got John and some of the other guys uh, there, and we are constantly holding each other accountable all the time. And that's that's anywhere from work or our businesses or our relationships with our with our wives uh, or even our own children. It's every aspect of all of our relationships and who we are as men is definitely on the table and up for discussion and up for accountability at all times. And we do this to each other consistently. And this is healthy. Why, why is that not really prevalent in first world culture? Well, it's because women are running every aspect of childcare. Uh, like where are the male teachers, for example? Well, why would there be male teachers? They're not paid very much. You know what I mean? And because of that, uh, well, I mean, this boys. is, we're the first generation to really, you know, have a real big hand or, you know, maybe the second generation to even have a real big hand in raising, raising yeah. our kids in a while. I mean, not, you know, a long time ago, it was different. I would say even a hundred years ago or 150 years ago, at least it was a different you'd situation. Have apprenticeships then. Yeah. No. And then that kind of went away. And now we've got this new weird sort of thing going on where. I mean, I think it's changing now where, where, but I mean, depends on the state of the the father too, but, um, we seem to be going back to the father having a bigger role in the child, child care anyway, in the early years, because I mean, you go back and that's it. It's just the wife stays home and raises the kids. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Throughout the 1900s and in a lot of cases, uh, the late, the, the latter half of the 1800s, that was very typical. But apprenticeships, for example, all were, were required through the first half of the 1800s and all of the 1700s and whatnot because you had to learn a trade. You had to learn a skill. Nowadays, it's just it's pick your poison. What do you want to be when you grow up? And then and you have, you have the thing where the child is told they can be anything they want instead of focusing on meeting their own needs. Oh, and by the way, at the same time, they're seeking the approval of women because they've been raised by women. They've been raised by women, like they have more exposure to women in a 24 hour day period than they do to men, yeah. especially their fathers. So what are they supposed to do? You know what I mean? Do you find that the, that males are connecting on a superficial level more than, than we should? I mean, I feel like, I feel like before, Absolutely. before, like I learned about all this, I was connecting over sports and partying and real just like. I mean, in some ways, we had pretty strong relationships, some, me and some of the guys, over... How many like, of them still lasted into your sober years? Uh, there's a few, yeah. Because I had a ton of those, too, but I'd probably only think of, like, two that, you know, yeah. hung around once you quit doing all that shit. Yeah. But, I mean, it's different. Like, when you're playing sports at a fairly competitive level, there is a real deep sort of camaraderie. Oh, like yeah, you got yeah. your back got your back kind of stuff, but I don't think it, it reaches the level of what we're talking about. Like, I think that to take that to a personal self-development level is a, is a completely Yeah. Well, like, I mean, like, yeah, the goal of this is to get to the point, like you got to think about what you were comfortable talking about your hockey buddies with. Yeah. And I mean, we, you want to create a space where you can go in there and say shit that you don't want to say to fucking anybody else. Yeah. And you know, that's, you know, that's, that's what I think the meaning of that group is to go there and, you know, talk in a lot of ways, talk to them about shit that otherwise you're not going to fucking talk to anyone else about it. Cause you're too embarrassed about it or you're too whatever about it. Yeah. But then you've kind of got that spot. Loyal to you. Confidentiality goes a long way. And we have that expectation on, on our discord of all the men that are there. And we do have some women present, but it, but it, but those women never interfere with the fact that it's a very masculine area for the men to grow and, and share things. And, 
like I said, we'll, we'll talk about anything, but there's always this air of confidentiality, this air of accountability. And we'll, we'll even, we'll even zing each other pretty hard. Uh, in some cases we'll take it personally here and there with some of the banter that we have, but that doesn't mean anything in the end, because at the end, we all know that we have each other's back, that we are committed to each other and committed to each other's businesses, committed to each other's success. And we have a culture of honor as a result. That's something that most men don't even have. And they have a really hard time getting those male role models that they need to be able to develop the mature masculine. Because like I said, the magician archetype is men who have got it raising up other men. There's so few magicians out there. And because of that, they don't have that shaman experience that they need to get out of their boyhood and get into the manhood because no one's shown them. I mean, they're going to band together and get it on their own. Exactly. I mean, predominantly, I had to get it on my own uh, because y- your your father is either absent or he's also a man child and inept, and that's predominantly the same narrative that we see day after day in society. Uh, if we're going to put a stop to the fatherlessness, we have to restore maturity to the men. You know, and I don't care about patriarchy, and I sure as hell don't care about feminism. It's not about that. It's about restoring the mature masculine and creating sovereign men men of personal sovereignty uh, because those men are the ones that will drive culture. Do you think those men are going to put up with the fact that our currency is being inflated to nothing where we have to work harder and, and, and get less, you know, less food on our table. That's not going to happen. I mean, like think about it. Would, would people be able to repeat what happened in 1776 uh, to create the United States nowadays? No, because there are no men. If you create real men and you return the mature masculine to a generation, it will literally change culture. It will change the world overnight, actually. Uh, and, it'll be a, and it will be a serious contender if all of a sudden all of the sheep are being rapidly converted into wolves overnight. It'll create abundance, really, because everybody will Absolutely. Need, yeah. Generative. Yeah. Everyone's generative at that yeah. point. Yeah. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, that's an interesting, that's an interesting take. Um, I mean, interesting look in the mirror is problems of society, you know? And I mean, in a lot of ways, it, it really aligns with what, what Peterson's saying too. I mean, his number one message in, in his new book, um, regardless of what a bunch of people who haven't read it have to say about it, is to fucking get your shit together, quit bitching about everybody else in the world and how unfair it is, and go fucking get clean your room. Everything, every bit of it. And that's, you know, metaphysical and... And all that inside, outside, clean your room and, and make sure your house is in order before you start criticizing other people or wanting to change the fundamental structure of society. Order determines outcome. If you want a good outcome, you better get everything in order ahead of time. The problem is people just don't know what the order is. Well, I mean, and that's what I'm trying studio, to do. How come the studio is such a fucking mess, though? Oh. Uh, this is like the furthest outreach of my room. I, 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 haven't, <laughs> I haven't even got out of my fucking head yet. So <laughs> it could take a while to get all the way out to the studio. Have you seen the house? It's, it's, it seemed like the house got dirtier when I started cleaning out the head. Yeah. But that's okay. I can see it. I can see just after, you know, reading a couple books and connecting with some people and getting some shit off my chest. That's probably been on there for fucking 20 years. Um, you know, it's it's huge profoundly fucking um, life changing, life life changing, improving. Yeah, 
and it's and it's and it, and you know it really is it's not like i fucking changed everything or or anything like that it's just a matter of you know taking a an hour a day even even an hour a day and and committing it to that for now is is better than anything but i mean by <clears throat> in the last fucking 6 weeks i haven't even i turned on my tv once and watched two episodes of rest of development and it's just like i got too much to do right now to be bogged down in in tv and everything else and it's like um yeah, it feels good. It feels good. It feels, um, I don't know, like to be honest right now, I don't see a reason to turn on my TV because I've got <clears throat> too much to do. It's like cleaning. I'm busy cleaning my fucking room. There's no time for television. And at the same time, I'm trying to, to trying to find, uh, that, that group, that, that, uh, that group to kind of spin it all together. In and that's the sort of thing I'm trying to, uh, I can see my sort of, um, I don't know what to call it. Maybe not my purpose, but something that I can see kind of the next stage of, of um, the community we've created is encouraging. Cause our, our community is overwhelmingly male. The summer of self-reflection. Well, that's a different thing, oh. <laughs> but um, that got put in the main chat. It was never supposed to get in there, but that was supposed to be a private discord. But um, I mean, I'm encouraging because you can only fit so many people in a group. So you got to encourage other people to to fucking get in your own group, man. Talk to some buddies, find some buddies that you know, or if you with the internet, it can be anyone, right? Find some people you resonate with, and maybe it's only one or two people for now. And you know, grab grab a book, start with start with no more Mister Nice Guy, and do you got to do the activities though. You can't just read the fucking book and yeah, well, you got to do those fucking sure. activities, and you got to want to do it, and you got to mean to do it. You can't just be like. Okay, I read the books. So now what? You've got to fucking read the books and and want it. If you yeah. don't want to do it, if you don't want to change, if you're just doing it to, you know, do it, then then you're not going to get anything out of it. You're just going to bring down the group. I think this podcast has helped a lot, though, for us over the last five years, like being able to. I think being yeah, able to you know, express ourselves in an authentic in a, way, in a, like in an honest way, and not being really judged. And the way and, I look at the podcast is because we started it out as just. Uh, you know, like a gag, no, not a gag, but as a, a gag, not a gag, a gag's a wrong word, but we didn't start it out to be this. We didn't start it out to have all these listeners and, you know, was never, we never pictured this. No. So it's not like we, we didn't go into it with a shtick. Well, we might've pictured it. I mean, we might've hoped. Yeah, but we it, didn't have a shtick. Yeah. We didn't have a, like, okay, it's going to be this, this, and this. So we were able to do it very authentically, I think. Yeah. And then when you can start to get accepted for that authenticity, I yeah, think that can exactly. start that all of a sudden you at. start to feel comfortable and a little more comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. And then, you know, that can, that can do it too. Yeah. And then people sharing their stories. But there's still a bunch listeners. of stuff I'd never mention on the fucking podcast. <laughs> so then, like what? don't go fuck yourself. This Bus driver. <laughs> 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 Let's clean out your closet first. Bus driving ground. I've been cleaning mine out for a decade. I know. <laughs> I'm just getting started. So yours was probably, your trigger was probably, um, just getting sober. Yeah. That yeah, started off. Part of it. AA. Well, that was part, I mean, the 12 steps was part of it, but at the treatment center I went to and then learning all this other stuff, like just being into the spiritual stuff and self-development and the, the way of the superior man and all. But I mean, we had those groups, like I was in a men's group and in, in an AA group that was like, 60 fucking solid dudes that were helping each other through sobriety like that was powerful shit getting up in yeah, front yeah. Of, getting up in front of those guys and having to 
talk about your story and your shit and get it out. Like it was pretty powerful. So yeah. that's that that kind of stuff was is very similar. And then <clears throat> and then um but I was into some some spiritual stuff before that. Like I think that helped me get into into sobriety. What I is like looking at sort of like law of attraction and, and like Eckhart Tolle type stuff. Like I was reaching for that stuff. And then that's when everything sort of switched over. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. It wasn't like, like that. Yeah. See the way I looked at it, the, what, what I, the, the, the interesting thing about it is all I, all I really, I mean, and obviously it's not just, that's all you do because it's kind of a, it's a mindset. So you're always doing it or trying to, but I mean, honestly, I just took the time that I was putting into my fucking social media and fucking put that into fucking focusing on this uh, on that every day because you know i figure if you take that time that you're spending on social media and fucking around watching tv every day and maybe you're not but those were my things that no, i could but it's just hard to know because social media is a part of the podcast so you think you're working in a way for the podcast yeah. and then it kind of there's you a down line a, yeah. yeah there's a line for sure yeah. but i mean i deleted my facebook and things like that that's another one and and that's kind of what the the Peterson that was that that all started with the Peterson book because that was kind of like um, he gets you to start adding up your time that you're wasting oh, in a day, really? and then he doesn't tell you yeah. what wasted time is. He's like, you decide on your own what's wasted time and what's not. And um, so I tallied up, and you start, and he's like, pay yourself fifty bucks an hour, and it fucking adds up quick, and you're like, holy fuck. And if you just take a fraction of that time and start, I was like, if you take a fraction of that time and apply it to making yourself a better person, yeah. might as well give it a whirl. Yeah. So that got me into talking to Chase and reading a couple books and the whole sort of train got. Yeah, right on. I bought, his good, self, I bought the self-authoring program too. I just, just, I'm only about just getting started on that. That's pretty fucking. That's good. I'm happy Pretty crazy you. shit too. Yeah. See what happens. Yeah, part of the thing in in, in the train wreck, bro. Part of the thing in the in the in the step work or whatever. Just disappear. As well, and, and refuge recovery even is they they you got to do. I mean, if you're gonna follow some of the program, you got to do your your own inventory, right? Like you look at your suffering and what caused your suffering, and and looking at your defects of character and all that. So that sort of helped try and clean house as well. Just acknowledging that and then having to say it to another person. That's right. The podcast is all a part of that, though, for sure, in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah. Crazy think about. Yeah. Wow. So do you do you want to touch on? I don't know how. I don't even know how much time has gone by or how much time we have left. But An hour um, fifteen. So do you want to talk? I mean, you you mentioned some interesting stuff in your own life and your own goals and all. I do. Do we want to transition into that? Do you think, or do you want to keep going on to what you do? Do you want yeah. to talk? We should talk a little bit about like you know you Darren's already mentioned how much you've helped and and this stuff and that's fast fascinating for me to see and. I'm super fucking happy for you guys, Darren and his group, okay. support group. Um, do you yeah. want to talk? Do you, is there more stuff you want to talk about about what you do for people and the coaching and aspect and all that before we transition into some of this interesting stuff you're talking about? Your future plans? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I I think I just want to talk about uh my motivation and why I do it and. It, it really comes from the fact I, I got married. I got married when I was 19 years old. I was a total man child and uh, she lost all respect for me pretty quick, but I was like super religious and we kept this marriage on for, for going for so long. And then all of a sudden children started coming around 
And it just turned into a really big shit show. And in as much as I used to blame her for a lot of the things, it, it, and I even learned the psychology. I learned my cutting edge, you know, psychology stuff specifically to save my marriage, right? Well, uh, I still failed. I still failed at it because I was a man child. And uh, I know that men out there continue to have this experience. And it, and yes, I do coach women too, uh, but I really spend a lot of time focusing on men because I'm tired of the fatherless generation because I think the fatherless generation is the problem. If we could just turn the hearts of children to their fathers and turn the hearts of fathers to their children, society will change for the better and we'll have men of personal sovereignty. And then we won't have the political bullshit or even the health bullshit or, or glyphosate and atrazine in our food, for example, all this bad crap in our society happening because men won't take it because men are men have self-respect and they have mutual respect for each other and they would basically rise up and make changes on their own. Well, they wouldn't be doing it, you know, in the first yeah, place. Yeah, they wouldn't There's be a doing bunch of people it. that are absolutely complicit in it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they'll get on their soapbox and in if that name doesn't of work, a paycheck. Then, yeah. The, the, those men will get on their soapbox and talk about it. If that doesn't work, well, then they'll go to the ballot box. Well, if that doesn't work, they'll go to the judicial box. Well, if that doesn't work, then they'll go to the ammo box. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like whatever it takes because men of personal sovereignty will take care of business and they won't be like these little bitches because they realize it's better to be hated and respected than it is to be loved and treated like a little bitch. Yeah. And that's literally how society is structured right now. It's creating little bitches everywhere and making people live like cattle, like yeah. literal cattle. Yeah. And I'm sick of it. And because I was cattle, my woman at that point in time did not, uh, did not treat with any respect. And quite honestly, I agree with her. I don't, I, I completely agree with her. I completely agree with the fact that she would have nothing to do with me because I was a horrible loser and a horrible example to my son. You know what I mean? And it, and yeah, our relationship can't be salvaged anymore. But you know what? It's my fault. After years of putting it on her, I have to be the one to take responsibility for my actions. Yeah. That's the whole point. So and I have. How did you come to the conclusion about the bigger picture and the and the and the, you know, the fathers and stuff? Like how how did that process happen for you? Well, uh, it, it really came down to me just looking at society as a whole and realizing just how screwed up it was and realizing that there was no way that I was the only person that had this experience. And I started talking to a whole bunch of my peers and, and starting to read a bunch of books and, uh, and listen to a, a podcast and various media, try to understand specifically what the root cause of the problem was, why society was so bad. You know, why do I have these physical ailments? Why, why is there, uh, you know, why is GMOs a bad thing? For example, all of these different aspects of life that permeates everything in our very toxic, toxic, inflammatory society. And that, and, I, and that's even mentally toxic and mentally inflammatory because all the stress that we live under at all times, mm -hmm. where does this come from? And the thing I kept on going back to was the fact that everyone is ignorant and everyone is immature. And I realized that the reason what caused all of my problems was my lack of maturity. And it's like, well, hold on. I'm, and, and, I, and I had this discussion with myself when I was 27 years old, about to, tw about to turn 28. I was like literally on the cusp of turning 28. And I was in Vegas when this happened. And I just had this conversation with myself. And it's like, well, what happened? Like, why is it this way? And then all of a sudden, like a big epiphany. And I realized it's because... 
I am the most immature human being I've ever met. And <laughs> because of that, I, I, I wasn't going to do it anymore. You know, and I was in a strip club when I had this epiphany. Wow. And, uh, uh, but the epiphany happened as soon as I touched some amazing Asian titties, just to be honest. And, and, and all of a sudden I could feel, I could feel at that moment while holding this, this woman's titties, uh, I could feel at that moment, all of my self-respect literally returning to me after not having it for decades. And it was the most amazing experience. And I immediately went home and told my wife about it to her face. And then told her, say, like, great, you can either divorce my ass right now or you're going to agree to allow me to see other people. I just laid down the law. I was like, nope, we're not doing this anymore. She got mad at me, you know, and, and whatnot. But then a few days later, she actually came up to me and said, you know what? I thought a lot about what you said. And, you know, I think it would be okay if you saw other people. And, uh, and then that's, that's basically... I began the process of regaining my manhood after that. And having this experience has been important to me to show other people, other men, you don't have to be man-children anymore. Where you're at is not where you have to stay. What you have is not all that you can have. You're the head and not the tail. You know, Order determines outcome. If you want a good outcome, you need to have to get your life in order. Faith, family, fitness, finance, and friends. Uh, I learned those concepts from a mentor that I had years ago. His name's Ken Hubbard. He's a good dude. Uh, and that, that helped propel me on this path of manhood and develop King Warrior Magician Lover, and, and which I'm still working on constantly on a daily basis, and, and really leveraging that magician because no one ever leveraged that magician for me. No one did. So I am trying to bring up fellow men into the mature masculine rapidly because i know that if i do this i will change culture overnight mm. because let me tell you something here's my other motivating factor i have a three-year-old daughter she is extremely precious to me the last thing i want is that when she comes of age that she is a man child there for her that's not gonna go well with me yeah. I need to have a man that I respect. He could be a young man, but as long as I respect him, that's all I care about. And then I'll be like, oh, thank God, someone I respect is with my daughter. And then I won't freak out and be afraid anymore. So I have to keep producing men as much as possible so that there's a chance that she won't be end up with a man-child when she comes of age. And not only will I respect her when she comes of age, but beyond that, she'll respect me. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. All from the Platinum Club experience. Nice. Was it the Platinum Club? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, it was Treasures. Yeah, it's Treasures. I've never been to Vegas. <laughs> oh, really? No. Don't go. I probably will. <laughs> so. <laughs> I went to Seaside. I had some beers. Yeah. yeah. There's only three or four, but yeah. enough. Yeah. I was, I was proud of you for not getting out of control. There you go. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Seeing you in that state. <laughs> the first paradigm I got pretty wrecked up. <laughs> so, so, uh, but this isn't your ultimate goal. Uh, it is. It is my ultimate. My ultimate goal is to change fatherlessness. But I've been, uh, and, and to change culture and bring back personal sovereignty to men. That is my number one uh, most important goal. Absolutely. Right, right. Uh, it's just how I'm getting there is different. Okay. Uh, I, I could teach this personal philosophy from a man stuff. But I also talk about the Jungian analytical psychology. Why? Well, it's because 
this this personal philosophy stuff and men and whatnot, that's really human nurture, but I need to help people understand their nature and who they actually are. The whole you got to find yourself, you know, you got to know who you are. You got to know everyone because you have to have understanding. The whole the whole hidden meaning behind the golden rule, treat others the way you want to be treated. Okay, so I'm an ENTP, right? 3% of the population are ENTP, super rare type, right? People just don't know how to deal with me. And because of that, I'm demonized, derided, uh, treated like crap because I make up a very low minority among the type sphere of the total human consciousness, right? So based on that, if I want people to be okay, if, I, if people are going to treat me well as an ENTP and respect me as an ENTP, well, that means it's my responsibility to learn other everyone else's types and treat them as such. Hmm. And instead of judging them to my standard, I'm judging them to their standard for their type and who they are and what they are capable of. Right. Because no one ever did that for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what I do. I, I try to do this for people so that they realize who they are. And then, and then after that, they can start developing self-respect. Life rule number one, above all else, respect thyself. And that is, that is the most important standard by which I live my life. Self-respect is everything. And how can I self, have self-respect if I don't even know who I am? You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's where that's where I start. I start off with that, and it's like, oh, you're one of these sixteen archetypes, and you have these four personalities inside your head, and uh, here's how you interact with yourself. But here's how you interact with people around you. And we start typing the people around you, and they're like, oh, wow, yeah, that would make sense. How it makes sense why my dad's so upset at me for not wanting to work on the car with him in the garage when all I want to do is play video games instead, you know, or those types of things, you know, when you have mechanically inclined children versus non-mechanically inclined children, you know, for example, or, um, or other types of people who society automatically assumes is ADD or ADHD, yeah. or they're autistic right. when that has nothing to do with it. That's just their psychology. That's their personality type. But society thinks they're ADD and ADHD or they're autistic and then puts them on pills or something. Oh, that's going to drive you nuts. Like, oh yeah. I, through the roof, through the roof. I go to 11 like John does. Yeah, not, not good. Yeah, no kidding. Well, there's a ton of that these days, and medication is just unreal. <clears throat> so, what about the? So, how are you going to handle? How is the path different then in the future for you to get this? So, so all right. So, so uh, what I'm going to be doing is that yes, right now I focus. I've been. I offer coaching to people. Uh, I teach my uh, philosophy about manhood and. Uh, I, I get people infographics so they can learn along. I produce a lot of video content right now with my YouTube channel uh, and do the newsletter. And, and I will be uh, an author. I'm authoring a few books right now, two books, and I hope to have both of them published next year. That's nice, but that's not the ultimate goal. Not, not remotely. The, the ultimate goal with this is to, like, for example, imagine, uh, Imagine social media that is completely aware of this form of uh, Jungian analytical psychology that has algorithms that can help people understand each other and help people parent their children, help people be in intimate relationships, help people uh, uh, work well with each other and match, match certain jobs with, uh, with certain types of people, uh, you know, match certain people for, for intimate relationships. Uh, provide strategies, uh, even specific schools that have different cultures that would be ideal for certain kinds of children and not for other kinds of children. All this information will be provided to the end user at all times. While simultaneously on the back end, we're taking all that data from all the users 
and we're actually able to start mapping out human nurture. We have human nature mapped out with the Jungian analytical psychology already, but then we're actually going to be able to see how people's types are interacting with daily life. Like, and that includes their purchasing decisions, that includes how they communicate even over text chat, uh, what subjects that they like looking at, what types of posts they like looking at, just to see, okay, well, these types are more interested in this type of uh, content, these types are more interested in that type of content, and it will really start to be able to solve burning questions that we've had ever since the beginning of Jung creating the science. Uh, one example, uh, what, uh, you know, does it, does it matter? Uh, like, so for example, um, my children, uh, my son, he's an INFJ, but his father's an ENTP, that's me, and his mother's an ESFP, right? Is there a hidden algorithm where I could actually calculate based on the parents, uh, you know, of their of one generation or maybe three generations back and average them together and create a weighted average to actually predict the type of the child that will be produced through a genetic standpoint? I'll be able to answer that question with this kind of data, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and and prove whether or not it really is just like handedness. Because right now the psychological community thinks that, you know, your type manifests in your head because of your handedness, just like your handedness. Like I'm left-handed, you know, some people are right-handed and you just don't know, right? Uh, it just kind of happens, you know, and just, and, and people's types just kind of that way. Well, with all this data, we're going to be able to figure it out. The problem is there's risks. It's insanely risky to have this proprietary data out there just for anyone to use. Because then if we are able to predict people's types ahead of times, certain types could be labeled undesirable. And then we have mental eugenics on our hands. Uh, also, uh, there's also uh, the risk of transhumanism, artificial intelligence. People could take these algorithms behind uh, these technologies and finish artificial intelligence. Because with this, you could actually program feelings into a machine because logic is innately attached to ethics. And you can actually, using algebra, you can, you can actually calculate ethics based on logic. Or with rationale, because it's, it's based on uh, multi-streaming logic, you can algorithmically actually program morals into a machine, right? You can actually code in feelings and you can make AI more human as a result of these algorithms. So it's not without risk. There's huge risks to deploying the system and deploying these algorithms and putting out there on social media and gathering all of this data. Uh, but the way I see it is, yes, that's super dangerous. And yes, that could cause a lot of problems for our future collectively. But from my point of view, it's inevitable. So it's better that I'm the one who's driving that bus, bus driver, yeah. you know, uh, than than somebody else because it's inevitable. I can't stop it from happening. So it's best that I'm in that driver's seat instead of somebody else being in that driver's seat because I can defend the intellectual property. I can move the intellectual property forward and have a vision in the vision that it should go. I mean, uh, look look at nuclear physics. I mean, the idea was to find free, unlimited, uh, low cost energy for everybody, and instead we created atom bombs. You know what I mean? Like any technology out there could be weaponized or, or caused or turned in, or twisted in such a way where it could be used for evil and as much as it could be used for good. So it's like, well, okay, well, what am I supposed to do? You know what I mean? Try to protect it and protect the future. And by getting involved with it, that's how I can protect it. Because if I don't get involved with it, somebody else is going to yeah. if they're not already, and yeah. then we're screwed. Yeah. Wow, hmm. that sounds fascinating. Sounds like fun. 
I'm uh, I'm off Twitter. I gotta we gotta, you, we gotta get off Twitter now. We're you, gonna get profiles. Would you t- would you have to test? Would you t- test everybody? Would everybody go through tests to see where they're at? Like, how do you figure out? How'd you figure out what I was, or how did like how do people figure out what they are? Well, uh, you uh, you can take tests. That's what the MBTI is. It's a test, and it's like 150 questions. Uh, Linda Barons uh, and Plato. If you put both of their, uh, if you put both. Oh, hang on a sec. We lost you there. Mike went out there. That's that's my fault. Uh, okay, okay. So uh, Plato and Barons, uh, you can put their work together and create a type grid. If you go to csjoseph.life, like right now, and like put in your email on my on the very front page, you can download a PDF of this type grid, and it's how you could type people. And it's basically like times tables. It's a, it's a it's a 16 uh, slot, four by four, um, you know, four times four grid. And all you have to do is identify a person's temperament and their interaction style, and you can instantly know what type they are. And you it. can actually create an algorithm that, that scans Facebook, for example, and all the posts based on certain keywords. And you can actually identify people's types like instantly like that. And then you instantly know uh, how they make the decisions. You instantly know how they gather data. You know where their insecurities are and where their fears are. You know where their worries are. Uh, you know where they're critical. You know their biggest weaknesses. You know all this information about these people like that. And then you can then start a manipulation campaign on that person with third parties. And you know, like it can be used for insane evil. Or you can also uh, use it to sell them certain things because uh, you can engage their personality and convince them very easy, you know, to sell uh, certain products to these people, either through ads or actually paying somebody to use Facebook Messenger or on Twitter to do a direct message to this person. Hey, have you thought of this? Engaging their cognitive functions in a positive way in order to increase the chances of a sale, right? And it's all manipulation. This can be done at that level. You know what I mean? That's why it's dangerous. And yeah. it's, it's coming, yeah. if not already here. Bingo, wow. Bingo. So is is one of the reasons why Darren and I are are uh, we have chemistry is because we're both uh, in that one column, like idealist, people focused. Yeah, idealist. Yeah, yeah, you're both idealists, intuitive feelers, um, all about bringing that ideal world. Uh, Darren, because he's a dreamer, he dreams up the vision of the ideal. But you, as the mentor, you teach others the ideal. You execute the ideal. You bring the. You were the driver, uh, the bus driver, uh, the driver of the ideal. You're the one who brings it into reality. So Darren provides the vision, gives you the vision, and you execute the vision. That's basically how your guys' relationship works in that regard when it comes to idealism and and finding what the ideal is because. Darren would be like, well, I'm, I'm feeling, a, I was thinking about this and, you know, and, and you're like, yeah, yeah, that's good. Okay. Awesome. I will. Yeah. I want to do that. And then, and then there you go. And then it's executed and then, oh, great. This ideal thing has been in there. And Darren's like, well, awesome. Now I get to have this cool thing that I was thinking about and it's no longer in my dreamland. It's actually real now. Thank you, Graham. That's dope. You know, that that's kind of how your guys' dynamic works in that regard. And not only that, it's not just with your relationship together, but you could bring that ideal to others yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. Right on. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, so everybody head to that head to that website and download that. Type and, yourself out. And then how do they contact you for coaching? Just through the contact yeah. on the on the on the website there? Yeah, yeah. You could do uh just click the coaching link, uh, and then you can put in your information, uh, sign the coaching agreement, and then uh we do like a one hour session over Skype. I, I like to do a, a Skype video session and it's usually in front of me of in me in front of a whiteboard. 
And the coaching can be like anything from, I don't know what type I am. Please help me. Or I need help in gaining manhood or I, I, I'm this type and, and my husband is this type, please help, you know, or, uh, or my son is going into ninth grade. He just, he got out of middle school. Now he's going into high school. What do I do? Uh, wh- what can I do for him? I'm concerned that he's going to have failure to launch syndrome. I need to get him back on track. What can you do for me? You know, there's tons, the sky is the limit with the content. Uh, and you know, from a type standpoint, I'm able to basically figure out what their issue is and we could troubleshoot it. And then I create a solution for them. I mean, even, even with couples, I do a lot of couples counseling. I'll give the couple, uh, like I have one tomorrow night, for example, but I'll give the couple, uh, like a list of rules that they have to follow. Uh, each person has their own rules, like, uh, um, like Jeff's rules on loving Susan, right? And then Susan rules on loving Jeff and I'll give them their sets of rules and they, and they'll even share them with each other and that's fine. But, uh, they'll realize that there's, that there's something different than before. And then I've done this with couples where I've done like one person, give them the rules and not really, uh, and they never even told their spouse that they were doing them. And then naturally they could see that their spouse is already behaving differently mm-hmm. as a result of following those rules and their relationship is so much better. I remember one guy who hadn't, he hadn't had sex with his wife in probably five months. And uh, the following day he did uh, just three of the rules and he got laid that night. <laughs> and he's, dude, he called me, he's like, Holy smokes, what are you smoking? Can I get some more? <laughs> That's awesome. Nice. That was pretty funny. <laughs> there you have it. Yeah, right on. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Chase. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great. Uh, I, I love you guys and, and what you're doing and, and your community. It's fantastic. And thank you for the opportunity of being here and, and talking and sharing. And uh, just help me help me save or change the fatherless generation into a fathered generation uh and keep that going that's that's all i ask gentlemen we're just yeah. uh gotta change the future and bring personal sovereignty back yeah i think that's super important and when when you get those books uh like we should have you back on actually we should do this again it was a lot of a lot of fun and maybe we can just even dig a little bit deeper into darren's uh Grabs. work yeah. <laughs> and and we'll and yeah we'll talk about your books and stuff when you come on and uh yeah let's do it again Cool. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I'll let you gentlemen know when the when that happens. Yeah. Right on. Thanks, Chase. All right. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thank okay. you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. That was our chat with Chase. That was fantastic. That was a fun one. Yeah, that was really good. I think it's I think he's onto something there. He very well could be. Yeah. Very well could be. Kind of makes me want to get involved in that. Mm. You know? There you go. Slugger, Mentorgram. <laughs> Better get working on them calves. He was pretty right on on our dynamic and stuff. Some of it for sure. Yeah, some of it, yeah. Some of it seems backwards. Yeah, some of it does seem backwards, but maybe that's the nature nurture thing or the like what Brody was saying about the inherent, oh, the, inherent yeah, skill inherent versus skill. learned behavior and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah it was yeah, good. I highly recommend checking out his YouTube channel. Check out his podcast. Uh, got, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, Graham can put it all in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, I'll put it all in the show notes. Yeah. Oh, it's hot in here, eh? Yeah. Hungry too. Yeah, me too. Check out the Spark page, page guys. GrahamAmerica.ca/support. Help us keep having these nice, beautiful, long, in, uninterrupted chats, and uh, replace the audio hub so that the audio fucking gremlins stop fucking with us. Yeah. We need to smudge this motherfucker. Oh, that's a good idea.
I'll bring in some exercise salt as well. I got some of that and some uh, oil. Perfect. Yeah. Right on. All right, guys. Big thanks to Chase for coming on the show. And uh, I think that's about it. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.